So, um, we, uh, as, as many of you know, uh, my family and I went on vacation. We had a nice time. We went to Florida for a week. Uh, and uh, about a week ago, as a week ago yesterday, uh, we, were, uh, we left Orlando where we were staying, and we drove here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's Clearwater Beach. You can, the, the sand is like powdered sugar. It is, this, this is my happy place. Okay, this is my happy place. I love Clearwater Beach. Um, and uh, the, water, the water was a little chilly, uh, but I, I was telling people last night that a week ago, I was standing ankle deep in the Gulf of Mexico, and yesterday I was stink, standing ankle deep in slush. Uh, not fair, um, but uh, it was so much fun. We had such a blast on vacation. And like I said, the beach is my happy place. I am a beach person. Um, how many, how many of you are, uh, would you say are, are like mountain people, any mountain people here today? That's your happy place mountain. How about, uh, forest people? Like you like to go hiking and, and walk. I don't understand you. I, I don't understand you at all. Um, how about uh, city people? Any city people? I prefer the city. How about country people? Lots of country people. That's like, give me 40 acres out in the middle of nowhere and I'll be thrilled. How many beach people got beach people here today? Yes. You are my spirit animals. Yes, love the beach, love going to the beach. And, and so as I'm sitting there on the sand and uh, watching my son gather seashells and watching my wife take pictures of the, of the water and everything, watching the kids run around and the four brave souls out in the water swimming, I, I just, oh man, I was just thinking about the beach and the ocean and, and just how, what an, what an unmovable force the ocean is. Now it's always in motion. But it never stops. It never goes anywhere. It just it stays right there. And, and, and no matter how we try to stop the progression of water, and how, no matter how we stop, try to, to whether we, we try to, to build a dam or, or whether we try to build a wall or anything like that, the, the water just keeps coming. And, and, and you cannot escape it. And sometimes in our lives, we feel like we come up against an an unmovable force in our lives. Uh, we feel like we just can't get around it. And, and, and sometimes we feel stuck. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I wouldn't mind being stuck there. Unless there was an army of dinosaurs coming from the other direction. <laughs> then I might feel a little bit different about being stuck. But in our lives sometimes, we come up against an unmovable force. And we feel stuck. And what happens when we feel stuck? We start to panic. We start to freak out a little bit. We start to lose faith as fear starts to take over. And, and, and really, we just, we just panic. Well, today I want to start a brand new series called Victory. And this series is all about how God can give us victory in the battles that we face in our lives. You see, we have a secret weapon. And he's really not much of a secret. But in those times in our lives when we feel stuck, in those times in our, in our lives when we come up against an unmovable force and it feels like there's an army bearing down on us from the other side, and we feel stuck, like we don't know what we're going to do or where we're going to go. And we start to freak out and we start to panic. I, I believe there's a battle plan that we can follow in order to have victory. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today. We are in the book of Exodus as we begin. We're going to look at several stories from the Old Testament and the New Testament over the next several weeks. And uh, we're going to take a different story each week uh, as we talk about how we can have ultimate victory in Jesus. Um, here's the cool thing. Uh, uh, our associate pastor, Brandon, built this really neat stage design. Isn't that cool looking? I mean, that is really sweet. He built that by hand, put in 60 hours just to do that. And uh, so congratulate him on a job well done. Uh, if you have, yeah, yeah. If you have complaints about it, keep them to yourselves. Thanks. Um, so, uh, but we, like I said, we're in the book of Exodus. I'm going to set the stage for you a little bit uh, before we get into the text. Uh, in the book of Genesis, toward the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph, you all heard of Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat. Um, but Joseph had been sold into slavery in Egypt, uh, and, but he eventually rose to power and became the second most important, second most powerful person in Egypt. Now, the king of Egypt at the time promised that he would always remember Joseph and his family. They'd always have a home in Egypt. Well, that king died, and another king came to power who did not know anything about Joseph, didn't care anything about the king's promises, and he enslaved the, uh, the Israelites. And so the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. So for 430 years, they were slaves in Egypt, and the, the Egyptians were stern taskmasters. They were harsh, and they treated the Israelites ruthlessly. And, and so the, the Israelites cried out to God time and time again for deliverance, and yet it never happened. And so the Israelites, I'm sure they were wondering, where is God in all of this? Why hasn't he delivered us? Why, has, why isn't he keeping the promises that he made to our ancestors of a promised land, a place where we can go and live uh, uh, forever and ever and ever? And, and yet it never happened. Or at least it didn't seem like it was happening. But God was preparing things behind the scenes for their victory and for their deliverance. So he was raising up a leader named Moses. And Moses eventually uh, came, uh, went back to Pharaoh uh, and he uh, asked Pharaoh, told Pharaoh that God wanted him to set his people free. And Pharaoh's like, who is your God? I don't even know who you're talking about. Well... God sent a series of 10 plagues on the Egyptians in order to uh, uh, make Pharaoh set the people free. Um, and, and when I was growing up in Sunday school, uh, I remember learning about the 10 plagues. And I, you know, when you're a kid, you don't understand the severity of things. For example, one of the plagues was boils. Now, I don't know if you've ever had boils or not. I have not, but I've seen them and they do not look pleasant. And the Egyptians were covered in them. Or uh, uh, the plague of hail. Now, I've been through a few hail storms. Nothing like what they get down in like Oklahoma or Texas where they get golf ball or softball size hail. But I couldn't imagine a, a hail storm coming so severe uh, uh, that it destroyed crops and things like that. It was, it was a, a tremendous hail storm. Then there were like insect plagues. For example, there was the plague of gnats. And when you're little, you don't understand what a gnat, you see a man, you know. But when you get older and a little more irritable, <laughs> and all of a sudden, a few gnats start buzzing around your head. Like, man, this is the worst thing. Man. Why, why did God invent gnats, you know? But imagine billions of them, just like thick. And everywhere you go, you're just surrounded by gnats all the time. Oh, man. 
like by your mouth and your eyes and your, oh, I'd be like, Pharaoh, get these people out of here. And then there were the flies, a plague of flies. No, Pharaoh, get these people out of here. Well, finally, the last plague was the plague on the firstborn, the death of the firstborn. And so the firstborn son of uh, every man in Egypt died. And every animal, the firstborn animal of every animal died. And, fin- and Pharaoh, his own son died. And he said, I've had enough. Go. He tells Moses, go, take your people and go. And all Moses had asked for was three days to worship God in the desert. So Moses uh, takes the people, and they get up, and they leave Egypt. And that brings us to our story. We're in Exodus chapter 14. If you brought a Bible, great, turn to Exodus 14. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 55 of that Bible. We're right near the beginning of the Bible. So page 55 of that Bible. Um, or you can follow along on your app uh, if you've got the app. Uh, and uh, we'll also put the words up here on the screens as well. So... Um, We're going to pick it up, and we're going to take this in several pieces, so follow along. Uh, We're going to look at verses 1 through 4 as we begin. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Haharoth between Migdal and the sea. Now, the Israelites had left Egypt, and they were headed toward the Promised Land. The direct route would have taken them right through the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines were huge and technologically advanced, more so than the Israelites were. And God knew if they had to go through the Philistines to get to the Promised Land, they were going to give up and turn around and head back to Egypt. So God says, nope, we're going to take a different route. So he turns turns them around and tells them to go to this other place to encamp by the Red Sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Pardon me. So, Pharaoh thinks that the Israelites are confused, that they don't know where they're going, that they've lost their GPS. And so they're wandering around the desert, and Pharaoh's going to decide, you know what, what have we done? And that's exactly what he says in the next passage. But notice that God says he's going to do two things. And God does two things uh, in every situation. He, is gonna, he does things for his glory and for his name's sake. And that's exactly what he says, that I am going to, uh, the Egyptians will, I will bring glory to myself, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Okay, so God, whatever situation you're going through, whatever circumstance you're going through, know that God is going to do two things through your situation and through your circumstance. He's going to bring glory to himself, and he's going to reveal himself. He's going to uh, do everything for his glory and his name's sake. So when you're, whatever you're going through, just remember, God is going to use it for his glory and for his name's sake to help other people understand who he is. Okay, verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. In other words, who's going to make all these bricks now? Who's going to finish all these buildings? You ever wonder why the Sphinx doesn't have a nose? It probably wasn't this, but it's funny and just think about. So anyway, um, verse six. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. 
That word boldly there uh, in the Hebrew literally means to uh, rebel against authority. And so the Israelites who had been oppressed for 430 years are now walking out boldly, rebelling against the authority of Pharaoh. And they're like, we are out of here. So they're marching out boldly. That's important. Remember this. They're marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Haharoth, opposite Baal-Zaphon. Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. Now remember, up until this point, the Israelites are marching out boldly. No fear, just faith. Look at us. Here we go. Marching out. Going where we want to. Headed to the promised land. Here we go. Let's go. Those Egyptians, see them later. Okay. The Egyptians marching out. They were terrified, it says. So we go from boldly marching out in faith to all of a sudden cowering in fear and terror. And cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, and by the way, they didn't say this, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. So being beaten and, and killed by the Egyptians in slavery was better than whatever was out there in the desert. So they're, they're completely panicking and they're completely freaking out. Okay, verse 13. Here's the battle plan. Moses is like, I got a battle plan for you. Moses answered the people. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So there's a four-part battle plan there that we need to keep in mind. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But I just want to highlight that real quick. There's a four-part battle plan that Moses gives to the people. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And that's the hardest thing. When we're walking through life, and life is hard, and life is difficulty, and situations get scary, our first inclination is fear. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, he says. Don't cower in fear. Stand up. Just five minutes ago, you were boldly marching out of Egypt, and now you're cowering in fear. Stand firm. Stand your ground. The Lord will fight for you. In other words, you don't have to fight this battle, guys. The Lord will fight for you. And finally, you need only to be still. The Hebrew there means to quiet your heart or quiet your soul. In other words, don't freak out. Don't panic. Be still. Quiet your heart. Quiet your soul. Faith is the key to victory. Okay? Verse 15, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Again, God does everything for two reasons. For his glory and for his name's sake. He said, I'm going I'm to reveal myself to the Egyptians and I'm going to get glory through this whole thing. And when you read throughout the Old Testament, especially the book of Psalms, they in, uh, recount this uh, episode 
time and time and time again when God did what God was about to do. Okay, so um, look at verse uh, 19. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud, this pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire were leading the Israelites to where they were going. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. So this cloud separates the Egyptians from the Israelites, and, it, and it's dark on one side because it's the middle of the night, but it's also light on the other side. It shines light on the other side so the Israelites can see where they're going. Verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the wall of water on their right and on their left. So not only did God part the waters, if you've ever been to Lake Michigan and gone wading out into the water, what's the, what's the bottom of the, the floor like? What's the floor of the, the lake like? It's all mushy, right? You know, and it, it kind of like sinks underneath your feet and you kind of sink into it. No, God dried the ground for them to walk through on. So, and the waters are parted. There's a wall of water on the right and a water, wall of water on the left. And they're walking through on dry ground. Oh, look, a squid. Anyway, um, so, not squirrel, squid. Um, so, verse 23. The Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, that's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. That Hebrew word there for jammed can also mean that he made their wheels fall off. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm driving a chariot and all of a sudden the wheels fall off, I'm going to have difficulty driving. Definitely. That now the horse is no longer pulling a chariot, the horse is dragging you in your chariot. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Remember, God's going to do everything for his glory and his name's sake. And, now, and he said, the Egyptians will know that I am God. And now they know. Verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. And just as God had said, these Egyptians that you see now, you will never see again. And sure enough, they never saw them again. Verse 29. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. And again, that's so important because God does everything for his glory and for his name's sake. And the Israelites worshiped God. They gave glory to God. And not only that, but they also recognized that he was the Lord. They recognized his name, that he was Yahweh. I am God who was with them. Okay? So... 
When it comes to the situations in our lives, the Israelites were stuck. They were stuck between an army and a sea. And sometimes in our lives, we feel like we can be stuck between an army and a sea. And we're stuck in a situation or we're stuck in a circumstance. And we don't know how we're going to get out of it. And so all of a sudden, we start panicking and we start freaking out. And I believe that instead of panic and freaking out, there, there's a three-part battle plan that we can follow in our lives. There's a three-part battle plan I want to share with you real quick. So three steps you need to take. The first step, when you come up against a sea, or when you're between, stuck between a sea and an army, the first step is you need to be still. Be still. Quiet your heart. Quiet your soul. And trust God. Be still. Don't panic. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy of your soul wants you to panic. He wants you to freak out. He wants you to believe that it is only by your power that you can get out of the situation that you are stuck, that you feel stuck in. The enemy wants you to believe that it is up to you to get out of the situation that you find yourself in. Instead of letting God fight for you, he wants you to fight for yourself. Because he knows that you are weak and that you cannot win that battle on your own. You can't. And so he wants you to freak out and trust in yourself rather than trust in God. Don't believe the lies of the enemy because the enemy is going to lie to you. Jesus said that the enemy is a liar. He is the father of lies. And all he ever does is lie. So he's going to lie to you. He's going to twist the truth. He's going to twist God's word to make you believe that somehow you have to do this on your own. And you can't do it on your own. So be still. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Be still. Quiet your soul. Quiet your heart. Be still. Your next step, instead of be, believing the lies of the enemy, believe the truth. God will fight for you. That's, what exact, that's exactly what Moses told uh, the Israelites. The Lord your God will fight for you. You need only to be still. So remember, God is going to fight for you. You're not in this alone. You're not in the battle alone. You are not stuck by yourself, the Lord will fight for you. And he's a lot bigger than you are. And he's a lot stronger than you are. And he's got a lot more resources than you have. And there's nothing that can come against him that can defeat him. God is undefeated. And he is undefeatable. So don't fight the battle on your own. Remember, God will fight for you. So be still. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Put your faith in God because God will fight for you. And then the next step is, and this is important, because sometimes we'll have a battle going on in our lives, and we're just like, okay, God's going to fight for me. I'm just going to sit back and just let him win the battle. I'm just going to sit back and let him do his thing, and uh, I'm just going to take it easy for a while. The next step is when waters part, move. When waters part, move. Because he told them, told the Israelites, tell the Israelites to move. Get a move on. Start move on. Move on, little doggy. Let's go. When the waters part and the ground is dry, you've got to go through them waters. And God will part the waters, but you've got to move. And you've got to go. You can't just sit back and wait for, you know, a jet ski. You've got to get moving. So when those waters part and that ground is dry... Get a move on and start walking through them waters. 
Because you're not going to be able to walk on water. Only two people ever walked on water, and one of them failed, if you remember that story. So you're not going to walk on the water. You're not going to jet ski across it. God's going to part the waters, and you've got to move. So what does this look like on a practical level? Some different scenarios I think of in, my, in, in your life or in my life. You know, for example, uh, you could have a financial struggle. You could feel stuck financially. You know, and you're, you're in debt up to here, and, and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet. Uh, there's more uh, bill at the end of the month than there is money at the end of the month. And, and you don't know how you're going to do it. You, you know, you're, you're, you're panicking, and you're freaking out. Be still. Let God fight for you. And when he parts them waters, walk on through. Well, how does God part the waters financially? Well, he may provide you an opportunity to get a second job. And that means you, when that job opportunity arises, you got to move. you got to take that opportunity. you got to go. Or he may provide an opportunity for you to get some financial counseling or to take a course like a financial piece. I think we're going to offer that later this year to get a better control of your finances and to get out of debt. And when you got to do that, you got to, when them waters part, you got to walk through on dry ground. Move. Maybe it's a, a relationship struggle. Maybe there's a relationship struggle you're having in your life, in your marriage, or in your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your parents. Maybe there's a relationship struggle that you're having. And, and you're freaking out. And you're panicking over this relationship issue. And you're like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? The Lord your God will fight for you. And what you need to do is when he parts the waters, you got to move. And maybe sometimes he's, what he's going to do, he's going to part the waters of counseling. And you need to go get some professional help. to get. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're in a situation where you are being abused, you do not stay in that situation. You need to get out of that situation. No one should ever be in an abusive situation. You just don't need to be there. But if it's a different situation than that, you need to, you got to let God part them waters. You got to move on into counseling. And come see me. I'm not a counselor, but I can provide advice. Been married 21 years and been through the battles myself. And if not, talk to my wife. She can, you know, tell you what it's like to live with me. You don't want to know. But or come see me, and I'll, I'll direct you to a counselor like Chicago Christian Counseling. They do a great job there, or other counselors I know of. And when the waters part, you got to move. You got to go through them waters. You got to part. When God parts the waters, you got to move. Or maybe it's a, a, a struggle with your health. Maybe it's a mental health struggle. You know, that's where I was about 18 years ago. I was struggling with depression. And, and I, I didn't know. I was panicking and I was freaking out. And I was thinking things I shouldn't have been thinking. And I, and I didn't want to live anymore. And I said, you know, i got to go talk to my doctor. And, and maybe for you, that's where the waters are going to part. You need to go talk to your doctor. And I went and talked to my doctor. And we came up with a diagnosis. And I've been on medication now, the same medication, for 15 years. And it works wonders for me. And so maybe that's you. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're feeling depressed or you're feeling like you've got some kind of mental health issue going on. Don't sit there and try and fight that battle by yourself. Let God fight for you. Be still. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Let God fight that battle. Let God part those waters and walk through those waters to your doctor's office and get the help that you need. Don't sit there and suffer in silence and think those things that you know you shouldn't be thinking. Let God, fight that battle. Let him part those waters and walk through on dry ground. When God parts the waters, you've got to move.
you know, when it comes to our spiritual health, you know, Jesus, he parted the waters because we needed a savior. And God sent his son, Jesus, to be our savior. And he parted the waters because we were stuck in our sins. We were dead in our transgressions. We were dead in our sins. And God parted the waters at the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, he made it possible for us to walk through, to move to new life and being new creations and having new hope through Jesus Christ. And if you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus, he will change everything and he will make you brand new. And I'd love to have a conversation with you about that and your spiritual journey. Maybe after this service today, come and grab me. Let's talk about your journey of faith. When we come up against a sea and there's an army bearing down on us and we feel stuck and it may happen to you this week, don't freak out. Be still. Remember that the Lord your God will fight for you. And when he parts them waters, you better be moving because he's going to part the waters and you are going to move on to victory. Let's pray.